Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Season 2, January 2022. The Incarnation. God become man. This is deep magic, if you will forgive the term. For me, a Reformed atheist, nothing makes Jesus more appealing than his dual nature. All the fullness of the Godhead in Christ, bodily. As the author of Hebrews makes clear, it is the enfleshing of God that makes Jesus an effective advocate for us, a high priest in all things made like his brethren. He was, as a human being, in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. As we begin a new year, a new season here at the Christian Atheist, we want to reaffirm our commitment to the Word of God that is the fusion of faith and reason, to the incarnate Savior. Jesus is, and has always been, even through my quarter century of atheism, my exemplar. The perfect man, the suffering servant, the one who took up his cross, assumed responsibility, took on himself the burden of others, who died for his friends, suffered in silence for his cause, who angrily drove the money changers from the temple courtyard, who was, in a word, a man, the ideal man, undaunted by those who hated and opposed him, unbroken in love and character, confidence and strength, even as he died in external shame and infamy. I stand in unmitigated awe of this paragon, this man, and I have longed to reflect his image in my own. For me, the humanity of Christ inspires my love and devotion my emulation. Now, here precisely is the rub. How can the infinite God be contained in the fleshly pot of a finite human existence and, in the midst of a world cursed by sin, act? How can he be tempted to act contrary to God's will while remaining untainted by that sin? As if that were not enough of a problem, we have to confront the nature of temptation itself. Temptation, in the relevant sense, is a temptation to sin. If the subjective flavor of Jesus' temptations were not in some very real sense tempting to him, then he was not like as we are. For it is on this basis that he is, quote, able to help them that are tempted. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is in agony over his destiny, his will is in conflict with that of the Father. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The clear sense here is that Jesus wants something different from the Father's will, here and now. Is this sin? No, it cannot be. But is it a temptation to sin?
to turn aside from God's will, to act contrary to God's plan. Jesus is facing the prospect of his own separation from the Father, when God will turn his face from man's sin in Christ's person. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. His body expresses the conflict within him as, quote, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus' body bore witness to this temptation in graphic form. He desired that this suffering should pass from him, contrary to the will of the Father. His desire was a temptation to act, I think. There are many ways to explain away this conflict, this desire to sin. I think that they all fail. We Christians are not Buddhists, seeking the extinguishing of desire or making it the locus of evil. Desire is of God, and even for God. Desire is both human and divine. Jesus, then, desired, as do we, and as we do, according to the Scripture. He partook of our bodily nature, our natural desires, our human will. The writers of Scripture understood that the divine in Jesus made sin impossible for him. But if sin be not possible for him, then he most definitely was not like as we are. And how, then, does he stand as the second Adam, having corrected the failure of the first? Jesus was tempted to subvert God's will by the tempter, first in the wilderness, and finally in the garden. This was either a real temptation to our second Adam, or it wasn't. If Jesus succeeded where Adam failed, we have no choice and must face the paradox. The union of God and man, infinite within the finite, is both impossible and actual in the person of Jesus. Likewise, if he was subject to all our frailties, he was also capable of sin, as was Adam from his original state, while also, and at the same time, being incapable of it. Neither side can yield to the other. And while human reason may fail to understand this paradox, faith must not fail to accept it. For if Jesus be not the fullness of the Godhead, and bodily, that is, like as we are, then he could not be our sympathetic advocate, our high priest. To insist on one side of the paradox to the exclusion of the other is to miss the very richness and complexity that is the experience of the God-man, Jesus, our glorious Savior. As in Jesus, the immortal must die, so also the sinless must have been truly tempted. Let us not fall prey to the failed Enlightenment and Hegelian claims that reason is sufficient to grasp the real, the transcendent. It is because God is transcendent that our questions, our uncertainty, our searching 
is not in vain. Forgive us, Father, our arrogance, our unwillingness to face our fundamental limitations and our ignorance. It is for the unfathomable depths of the I am, of being itself, that our souls cry, and his mysteries will fill eternity with delight in discovery and awe. Deep magic, indeed. <laughs> 